Elisa Longo Borghini has been one of the best riders over the past decade, winning Olympic and World Championship medals, two monuments on the cobblestones, and basically owns the Italian champion jersey for both the time trial and the road race. Another great chat with another interesting person today, huh, Yenzi? Absolutely it was. And I loved how she was so honest and told us that she didn't really was too keen on racing Paris-Roubaix. And with a little bit of pushing, she actually was convinced to do it. And it all turned out super lucky for her. Yeah, maybe if somebody would have pushed me to do Paris-Roubaix instead of keeping me away from it, you never know what I could have done. So without further ado, here she is. Welcome, Elisa Longo Borghini to Bobby and Jens. Welcome uh, to Bobby and Jens uh, to, to my house. <laughs> to your house. I got to ask, you know, to our viewers, to our listeners, you can't see, but our viewers probably can. Um, you have a very interesting sweatshirt on, uh, the Badgers from Wisconsin. So is that uh, like a little gift that you got when you were over at the Trek training camp over in Wisconsin? Or are you an actual fan of the Wisconsin Badgers? No, I got it as a gift when um, we visited uh, the headquarters in, uh, in Waterloo. They brought, uh, they brought us to the, um, the, Rowers, uh, the Rowers Academy and then uh, they gave us to it. To everybody, they gave us this sweater, and it's really comfortable. It's warm and it's super cool. I I really like it, so I wear it all the time when I'm uh, here at home. And eventually, people are asking me about the badgers. Like they, I don't know, they're really well known also in Italy and in Spain. Actually, I met a um, a lady from Wisconsin in Spain. She she stopped me and she was like. Oh, you're wearing a badger sweater. Uh, are you from Wisconsin? I said, no, but yeah, my team is. And she's, uh, she went like, oh, I'm from Wisconsin. I need to take a picture with you. And so I took a picture with this lady and then she sent it over to Wisconsin to her father. She was really overwhelmed. So Elisa, when you say welcome uh, to your house, You're born in Onavaso in Italy, which is a small city, three and a half thousand people. Are you still living there? Is that still your home or where do you live these days? Where is your house? So, yeah, I, I'm in love with the place where I'm born and uh, I'm right now I'm here, but uh, I, I live in Andorra with my husband. Uh, now I'm, I'm here for just a week uh, in between training camps. And tomorrow I'm flying over to, to Spain, where I will meet Jacopo coming from Australia. We will stay together in Andorra for three days, and then I will go to UAE. Then I will go back to Andorra, and he will leave for, to UAE. So it's a big Tetris. I, I got to ask, because um, I've known a lot of Italian guys that, that live at home, or you know, go home for a couple days like you. They live in the satellite locations, you know, training locations. What is your favorite thing when you go home to do? My, yeah, my favorite thing is surely to spend time with my family. I have four, uh, two nieces, two nephews, um, and I always go there because my parents live like 300 meters from my house. My brother lives. 300 meters from my parents. So we are like 
all like really close together and uh, I can just bump into my brother's house, stay with the kids and then bring them to my place, go to my parents' house. So spending time with my family is the thing I do the most and then uh, I visit friends and uh, what I really love about my small town is the fact that they know me as Elisa. They don't know me as Longoborghini, which is nice because it's it's different. I get in touch with the real world and that's uh, that's important for me. And when you get together with the family or your nephews, uh, are you cooking like typical Italian pasta and you all sit together and you talk and, and is it like we imagine that or, or you go, nah, I leave the cooking to my mom? Um, I mean, we are a kind of a special family because my sister-in-law, she's actually American. She's from Montana. Um, so we, we share the two cultures together. Like, uh, when we, when we eat together, like sometimes mom is, mom is cooking or I am cooking, but then, uh, for example, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, and so it's, it's, it's nice. It's cool. It's like mixing up all the, the cultures and I, I really like it. My favorite part of having Italian friends was going over to their mom's house because mama cooked the best pasta. And it was like, it didn't matter what house you went to. For us, you know, as Americans, we grew up with Chef Boyardee. So we thought that that was good, decent pasta. And then you go over there and man, you do not want to be looking after your weight or on a diet when you go to an Italian mama's house for, for lunch or dinner. You can't. Um, no, you, and you just can't. No, I mean, it's three hours long and it's like the most amazing food that you've ever had. And if you don't eat it, mama gets mad at you. So um, that, that, that's awesome that you have that, that sort of connection. I think, uh, you know, a lot of cyclists kind of lose that when they, when they start traveling so much. But uh, talking about traveling, you already mentioned it. You're soon on your way to the UAE tour. Um, that's a race that you won last year, but we all know that how you start the first race has a lot to do with how your off season went. So how did your off season go? And are you really looking forward to starting off the season at the UAE tour? Yeah, my, my off season went quite fast to be honest, because I, it seems like in a glimpse of an eye, it's already time for, uh, for racing, which I love it because, uh, I'm tired of, uh, of training and, um, they, they say that is a good sign when you're tired of training and you you feel like racing. So I hope so. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a strange off season cause, uh, for the very first time I had an off off season. I did, um, I did not touch or do any, any sport for, uh, let's say three weeks. Because I, I had a, a, a set piece in, um, in July and I, I really needed to, 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 to reset my body. Uh, and then I started again training middle of November, just pace training. Uh, then I went to the first training camp uh, and I started building up. And right now I feel like I'm at a point where I feel good. I don't feel as good as last year because it's been planned to be to be so uh but i feel 
I feel I can race and I feel I really want to race and to prove myself. Because, you know, it's been basically from the 29th of July that I don't compete properly in a, in, in a race. And, uh, and I just hate it. I love racing. I, I don't like to just train and, uh, or stay on the side. I just, I just like the competition too much. Um, talking competition, so now if you maybe start the season a little later, a little slower, you might last longer and there's a few big ones coming up later in the season, right? Like the Tour de France for the women and the Olympics. Is that already in your mind or you want to check your form first at the first races? They are just ahead of you. No, surely in my mind there is uh, the, the Giro, the Olympics, and the two defense for stages. Um, and that those are the first big goals, uh, like the, the big, big goals for, for, for the season. Um, and then uh, Liege, Baston, Liege, and for us it's Baston, Liege. Um, it's, it's another big goal, uh, but surely uh, I, will, I will start easier, let's say slower, and then uh, I'm planning to peak for those events. That That's a long peak, but I, I kind of want to go back a little bit because you mentioned, um, the, did you say sepsis after the, the Tour de France? I mean, you, you started off winning the UAE Tour last year. You got third in Flanders, second in Liège, uh, third overall in the Tour de Suisse women. Um, then you won both the Italian road race and time trial national championship. You know, you, you won a stage of the, the Giro Dona and then crashed out, I believe, and then went to the Tour de France. And, you know, that that was kind of it, that time frame that you, you mentioned. Give us a little bit more information on, you know, what actually happened there that kind of ended ended your season and forced you to take such a long break over the off season. Yeah, um, to be fair and honest, everything started uh, the 1st of March. I got, for my very first time, COVID, and it was a very strong COVID. I was positive for 17 days. Then I came back, uh, did, uh, or did the classics, uh, went home from Liège, uh, got a flu uh, for a week, and then I built up for uh, the Giro. Uh, and did all the uh, the championships you mentioned uh, or to the Swiss. Then I crashed out of the Giro, and then I went into into the Tour de France. And there, I I don't know, just out of the blue, I one one morning I I woke up and I had let's say a golf ball on my on on my leg. And uh, I felt really unwell, but I just didn't know what it was, and nobody understood stood it really. Um, uh, went for three days like this, but then it became quite serious because uh, I had fever and I uh, was shivering and stuff like that. So they brought me to the hospital. Uh, they discovered it was a bacteria, and uh, we went into into my bloodstream. Um, I had to get a surgery and, uh, like 15 days of antibiotics in vain. And that was 
the end of my season, basically. I really tried to go back for Romandy and to build up to just to the last races of the season, but it was uh, it was not possible. Just my my body said stop. Um, and so yeah, we decided to just ride the bike uh, until beginning of October. Uh, uh, no, a bit more. Uh, but just riding, just enjoying the rides and go go on. Get married, uh, had a vacation, and uh, and then uh, rebuild for twenty twenty four, and that's all about it. So, um, as quick information for our listeners and and viewers, um, Elisa is married to Jacobo Mosca, another uh, cyclist. So it was an eventful year with lots of ups and downs. He had some good success, a crash, then this bacteria problem. Um, do you feel you missed out only on intensity or also on kilometers on the bike? Because you just mentioned you kept going until October or a little longer with training rides. So you still did the hours on the bike? You only missed the intensities, the hard racing? Or how was your bike riding in the second half of the year? Yeah, after uh, we decided that it was better to, to stop racing, um, we were like, we were talking with the team and discussing and we were like, yeah, it's September now, I just can't stop, like, completely. So I'm just enjoy, I will just enjoy riding my bike. I was doing some kilometers. I was using my gravel bike. Uh, I was running a little bit. Uh, maybe I was doing some some hours on the bike in the morning and a small run in the afternoon just to to keep fit and to keep to keep the flow going you know uh it also also for my mind because in the end bike bike riding for me it's my job but it's also my my passion uh so i was just taking it easy like especially trying to do kind of long distances to wash off also the antibiotics the uh, all the anesthetics and stuff like that uh easy and then uh, i had a long break and uh, i restarted training as as i would do normal but you know you've been pro for for a long time and let's admit it all cyclists spend a lot of time training alone and as we know no one speaks more to us than ourselves, you know, in, in our head when we're out there. So I'm curious to hear what was your internal dialogue like when you were just riding to ride? Was it any different? Because all of a sudden you don't have any more races and you're just doing this for health and enjoyment. And like you said, for passion, um, what, what kind of thoughts filled your, filled your head during this, what, during this period? Was it like in the moment Or was it already thinking about um, once you once you started the 2024 season and the objectives that you had for that? Uh, it was really depending on um, it was really depending on the day, but especially on the phases that I went through. Because at the beginning, it was really like trying to build up to go back racing for Romandy. So I had a, a goal. And uh, I was always thinking about, okay, now I go back and race Romandy in the last three races of the of the year, and then I then I can 
and cut off. Uh, when I did realize that it was just impossible, I was like, okay, Elisa, now 2024 is our biggest goal. And that's, that's the main objective. That's, that's where we have to, to go. And, uh, just try to enjoy cycling as much as you do all the time when you are, when you're healthy, uh, and think about 2024 and what you want to achieve in 2024. And then, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just like, I like my sport. I like going around with my bike and I eventually had a very good time not thinking about performing, but just riding. And, uh, and I was like, okay, this will make me good for 2024. And the fact that I'm enjoying my bike rides, it means that also my body is actually getting better because when you're unwell, normally you, you can't do what you really want to do on your bike, you know, and, uh, as, as much as I was riding my bike, my, my body felt like can I say lighter? Like, I don't know. It was really like a wash off. And, uh, it, I came to a point where I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do a break because now I feel fine. And my trainer was like, no, now is the time where you need the break. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, so we did. So uh, listen to you and, and, uh, the way you describe uh, your period of just training, um, the sort of just giving up never crossed your mind. You were always determined to come back to reach your old good level again. Or did you had moments where you go, I don't want to race anymore. I, I, I give my license back and I had enough of this. Or was this, was this never a question? No, actually it was never a question. I mean, I, I like, I like my job. Uh, I would never, never think about it. I mean, I was just trying to, to enjoy cycling because I, I, I knew I would come back and I knew I would, I would restart 2024 and it, yeah, just will be, I was like, okay, 2024, it will be another year. Bad luck happens. And, uh, what can I do? It was something out of my control and I can't control ev everything. So we, in Italian, we say. that uh how can i say um sometimes something is better than nothing and that was it and i just embrace it i think i think that's just such a great attitude to have and to the young riders out there listening you know you're going to go up through some ups and downs you're going to go through some periods where things just don't click But another thing I'm interested in hearing is, you know, so, so you had a little bit more time to yourself and outside of probably planning your wedding and thinking about your wedding, did you pick up any new like hobbies or interests during, during this period of like kind of finding yourself again? Um, I don't think I have ever lost myself somehow, uh, but uh, yeah, surely 
as I mentioned before, um, I got to spend a lot of a lot of time with my family, and for me it was really important. Family and friends uh, were really crucial for me. Uh, so was my so was my boyfriend, although he was uh, away for for racing most of the time. But I spent a lot of time with the kids, and it does not happen so often so I could uh, go on bike rides with them have a run with them uh, stay together with them follow them in, the, in their trainings and then we had a, uh, as a family we organized a bike race here in the town so I could uh, I could follow the race stay with the youngsters uh, because yeah I how can I say I was riding my bike to watch the race, and then I was staying with the with the uh, with the ones that, that were dropped because you know it's always nice to bring them to the finish line. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, and then the time actually passed by. Um, I had to organize my wedding. I had uh, yeah, I had stuff to do, and that that was it. I had to take care of my house, which I which I like to to you know, to do the furnitures, for example. I I asked the the, the guys to, to put new furnitures in, uh, handmade and stuff like that. Um, I kept busy. Uh, I kept busy also. <laughs> Sounds really silly, but uh, Dad had a problem, so uh, he has cows, so I went, yeah, to help him in the morning and in the afternoon to milk the the cow and to feed the baby cow. I mean, I just did them my my life and 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 I cycled also. <laughs> um, I'm talking about uh, the, the cows now feeding and milking the cows. Making a cow is really hard work on your hands and on your lower arms, isn't it? It is not easy, right? I mean, I did it once when no. I was younger, helping my grandma. I remember that. It was that's hard work, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard work, but luckily we have a machine. You know what? It's really hard. But this is this was the task from for Jacopo is to clean uh, the the stall. Uh, but then I asked Jacopo when he was when he was at home. Okay, you do this, and I milk the cow. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the hard job. The dirty job up to the boys, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, re that, um, that's really a dirty job. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I'm just impressed that George, uh, that Jens actually milked a cow. Like, I've known you forever and you've never mentioned that before. That's uh, another little feather in your old cap there. Um, going back to your team, um, you know, you just kind of mentioned hanging out with your nieces and nephews. Um, with experienced riders like yourself, Lucinda Brand, Lizzie Dynan, Ellen Van Dyke, Amanda Spratt at these training camps, alongside multiple young 18-year-old women like the, the, Holmgren, the Holmgren sisters from Canada, uh, Fleur Moores from Belgium, Izzy Sharp from GB, and uh, Felicity Wilson Haffenden, um, who are all 18 years old. What is it, what are the conversations like between the older, more experienced riders who've been in the peloton for so long, and then these young eighteen-year-old, let's just be honest, kids that you're 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 racing with and spending time with? 
you know, my oldest niece, niece is 14, so they are really close in age. And sometimes I have the feeling I have her around. <laughs> but, um, and it's funny. I, I, I really like having them around because they, they are so genuine. And um, sometimes they talk about silly stuff, uh, like the, the cat at home or stuff like that. And it's just, it's nice. Like it's a, and teenagers uh, uh, topics, uh, it's just, it ma- they make me laugh a lot. The, the, it's an, yeah, it's cool. I like it. Otherwise, we are just uh, talking about our boring life as uh, 30 years old ladies, you know. Uh, oh, uh, how is your baby today, Ellen? Did, did, he, did he sleep? Or, uh, you know, stuff like that. And they are like, oh, look at this one on Snapchat. <laughs> uh, it's cool. It's, uh, I really like them. And I have to say, beside this, uh, what I noticed is that they are really mature, um, really polite, and they they look older than not not they look they look really young, but in their mind they are much older than the age they are. Um, would you say it's it's something a little bit similar than in men's cycling because when he the young kids show up, they're also well-prepared. They know about training, the diet, the calories and all that. Is it the same for younger female cyclists when they come up to the pro ranks that you already know about the science behind the training and all that? Yeah, some of them are really up-to-date for sure. And uh, some others are really still raw. Uh, But what I noticed is that, for example, for, for me, Fleur, Fleur Meurs is a raw talent. Uh, and that's amazed me because, in my opinion, she will be a very strong rider in the future. That, that was such a blast, you know, being one of the older riders on the team and then seeing these raw talents, like you said, just come up and join at 18 and 19 years old and, you know, Okay, their rooms were a little bit dirtier. They were always late for team meetings, but they could still ride a bike. Um, but you know, over the years of recording this podcast and just life in general, I've learned that it seems like the women's peloton is a little bit more intelligent, if you will, than the men's peloton. Um, are these are these ladies, these young ladies, are they actually continuing with, with their, their studies all while kind of apprenticing under experienced riders like yourself? Uh, some of them are. Um, some others are more, um, are more uh, uh, concentrate on, uh, on, cy- on cycling. Um, and I think it's a bit of the, the sign of the time because uh, mo- most of the time, in the past, you had to have a second career because you couldn't have any minimum salary, maternity, and so on. So you you had to create your own second chance if you couldn't be the best in cycling. Um, and right now, with the with the minimum salary and and everything being settled, uh, you can hundred percent focus on cycling. 
which I believe it's a hard enough job, right? It's a full-time job. It's an all-year-round job, right, to be a pro cyclist. I mean, you spend a lot of your time training in training camps. Um, is it getting more now also in women's cycling that you go to training camps in between the races? Yeah, it's getting, uh, it's getting definitely more and more. I mean, um, before the training camp, uh, I was with my husband already in Spain because we, we kind of chase good weather. Uh, then we will be doing some altitude training in, in March with the team, uh, another altitude training in May and in July. So in between races, we are always a bit busy. We'll be right back after this short break. Now, back to our chat with Elisa. You mentioned, you know, chasing the good weather. And soon you're going to be leaving for the UAE tour, which is normally pretty, pretty open, smooth, sandy, windy, warm roads. But then that, that transition back to like Het Newsblad just a few weeks later, how, how does that play going, you know, as, as professional cyclists going from like that extreme warmth to that possible extreme cold and still having to, to, to perform? How do you, how do you deal with that? Like adjustment? Yeah, luckily, um, my experience is telling me that, uh, in UAE, it, uh, it, it's not that warm. Uh, so, and I adapt better from warm to cold than the opposite. Um, but yeah, it's a, it can be sometimes a challenge indeed. Um, the, for, for me, it's always a problem when I go from cold to warm because I suffer the warmth. Uh, I'm a strange Italian for this. I really love the cold weather uh, and the rain uh, in uh, in racing. I mean, nobody loves the rain, but uh, I don't really mind it. That's the main thing. Um, but when when it's about warm weather, then uh, I have my problems. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, now I know that it's gonna be like m m mild mild war or stuff like that and I don't worry that much uh, and therefore I'm not super worried about health news blood because I know that when I will be back home because I will I will probably come come back to Italy probably I don't know maybe I stay in Andorra but um, I will I will have time to adapt to adapt again to the to the cold weather and I adapt I adapt really easily to the cold so cold weather means uh, classics, right? Often it is cold weather there. You were successful in classics last year. Um, Lissy Dining won Paris-Roubaix for uh, the women's, the first ever edition. You were third, I believe, that year. Yeah. Um, how could you beat Demi Follering and her team? Do you have a secret plan or you have a plan for that or you go, we just play along and we see how it goes or you have a plan because they do have a strong team, haven't they? So how can you be better than them? How can you beat them? What would be a key to that? 
Indeed, uh, you, you said it right. Uh, Demi Vollering and uh, SD Works are really strong, and um, they are they have, they have shown they are so far the best team. But on the other hand, we have to say also that, that last year we have never had our team with the full potential um, in any in any race, almost in any race, our team had one rider injured or one rider ill another one that had problems uh crashes or stuff like that so we never had our team lined up with the very best roster so i guess this year things will slightly change and uh, i'm looking forward to the to the races also for this reason because i really want to see how the a race will go when little track will have a roster that is competitive with SD works. Yeah. Having a full team there, uh, really helps, but Elisa, you know, you've won many races, national titles, Olympic medals, world championship medals, but you know, the, the two monuments that you've won so far, was Tour de Flanders in 2015 and Perry roubaix Femme in, in 2022. What is your trick to those cobblestone, riding on the cobblestones? Um, I just ride them full. Uh, there is no trick, I think, when it's about cobbles. Like, you just have to put the hammer down and ride them fast. That's all. Uh, in the end, it's all about embracing the pain. And uh, also in Paris-Roubaix, you know, hoping for the best because it's a race where uh, everything can happen. But there are no, you can't hide. It's like uh, going on, on a climb. In the end, you can't really hide. You just have to, to go full on the cobbles and that's all. That's it. I guess that's what I did wrong, Yenzi. I never went full on the cobbles. <laughs> yeah, right? You, you never tried hard enough. I was enough. pissing myself scared the whole time. I, I should have just gone full. But Yenzi um, went full so, most of the time, eh? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I did twice a ruby. I finished only once, but I, I finished once ruby, and it's a hard race. But I have to admit, I love to watch it on TV, but I'm happy that I'm not in there anymore. Um, so is um, the trick for you to win these big races, to be competitive, is it you're willing to suffer more, you want it more, or you think also you simply have a lot of talent as well? Um, it's strange to say, but um, both for Flanders and, uh, and especially for Roubaix, uh, it was a race that I really didn't want to race. I had to fight the team to, yeah, because I didn't want to go. Uh, there was a reason and uh, it was because I had a sinusitis. I, um, I, I, I had an infection. I had a cold, a very big cold. And I was like, nah, I'm not ready to race Rubé. Um, I'm sorry, but I just can't. Uh, and uh, the team was like, my Elisa, no, you're more than capable to race Ruben. And I was like, no, 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 it's, 
possible, I can't race Ruben. And then all in a sudden, I, I received a phone call from Guercilena, team manager, and I picked up the phone and Guercilena went like, you race Ruben. And then I was like, okay, true. When the, when the boss, uh, when the boss calls, then I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I, I, I'm going. And then in my mind, there was just like, okay, I go to Ruben and uh, I play crazy. I just go and, and I just do what I, what I feel like. And I, I did. And it worked out and it worked out. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if Luca, you know, analyzed your pedal stroke, because that's what I was hoping that you would say, oh, you know, uh, one of my sports scientists told me that my pedal stroke was super efficient over the cobbles or something fancy like that. But, uh, yeah, I guess just no. go full. <laughs> no, Luca, <laughs> yeah, Luca just said, Elisa, I know your calendar and your calendar in your calendar is written Roubaix. So you do Roubaix and full stop. And I'm like, I was like, yes, boss. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like a pretty hard one to, uh, to argue against when the boss says something like that. But okay. We've talked a little bit about the classics. I have a question to you and all female cyclists out there with the Giro Dona and the Tour de France Femme being so close to each other. Um, what do you feel about that, number one? Because, like, last year, one of the best riders of all time, Annemiek van Vleuten, was able to win the Giro, and then she fell a little bit short in the Tour de France Femme. And then Demi Vollering didn't even do the Giro, and she won the Tour de France Femme. I mean, it's so close in between those two massive races. What, what do you feel about that? Do you think that maybe there should be a little bit more gap in between? So I think for us paying eight days of racing uh, is not going to be any pro uh, a problem. Um, but of course, if you want to focus more on one race, um, then you know that you are going there and you're fully prepared for it. Um, last year is one thing, but two years ago, Anemic won both the Giro and the tour and i think last year was mostly something related to anemic physical conditions like personal condition but i i do believe that if you want you can you can do both without problems so you focus on the giro italia and then you for sure gonna go to the tour or you see how it goes in between and how the olympics end up and because this year the tour de france uh, farm is after the Olympic Games, right? Yes. Uh, so for sure, um, so the, the planning with the team is that I'm doing the, the GC at the Giro and uh, I go for stages at the Tour de France, but also um, at the Tour we will have Gaia Realini and she will go for GC there. So I, I, will, I will be the main shoulder for, for Gaia. Um, also because yeah, the the tour finishes on the Alpe d'Huez, um, so yeah, I I will go for for stages and for helping the team and the tour. And you know, you basically have the Italian national jersey wrapped up for what you won seven time trials and you've won the national road title four times. So you basically could tattoo that jersey on yourself. Um, so that's, that's gotta be a massive honor, but when you get together in the Olympics and you put on the, 
Italian jersey, the the blue jersey. Um, I know that whenever we did the Olympics or World Championships and we got to wear the stars and stripes, there was something that really changed. Um, how how is that selection done for the World Champ uh, for the Olympics from from Italy? And um, just putting on that jersey, what sort of power does that give you? For for every Italian, having jersey, having the national jersey on is a huge pr pride. I mean, we can battle and we can be the worst enemies during the season, but when we have the Magliatura on, we are just focused on winning the race. Who whoever, like whoever of us, like doesn't really matter. We just want to win for Italy. At least this is for me. And uh, we've shown in many world championships and in many Olympic games that this is for every single Italian. Uh, it, it is just the same. And uh, it's just our unity and it's just our respect for our flag that, it, that makes this such a difference. Uh, to be honest, when uh, I... When I grew up, I grew up in a very sport family and they always told me to, first of all, to honor the jersey of the team I represent and then to always honor the jersey of your, of your national team because you are one of the few lucky, lucky ones that are capable to wear it and uh, I should wear it with pride. And every time I show up to an event with my, with my Maglia Zurra, I remember I remind this uh, this word of my father, and I, yeah, and I realize that it's true because I'm one of the many that tried and succeed, but how many others tried and couldn't wear the maglia azzurra? So, and I'm representing also my country. Um, now we talked about the national team and, and the Olympics. Did you already had a chance to look at the circuit of the course of the Olympic Games in Paris? Because from what I think and what I heard, it will be much harder than people expect. It's it's a tough finishing circuit up to the Sacré-Cœur Church up there. Did you had a look at it? Uh, only on Velo Viewer at the moment, but in May we are going with the national team there, uh, and we will have a proper look. Uh, I know it's also a little bit uh, tricky because. There are, yeah, we are in the middle of the city. There are a lot of cars, so you need to to have, yeah, to to be escorted by by the police or by the the local organization. So we will have a closer look in May, and uh, I think you're right. It's going to be harder than expected because on the profile it looks like a a parkour that suits fast people, but it seems like a, a tricky one. Uh, I don't know, it, it reminds me a little bit like Glasgow. Nobody thought it was a tough world championships, but in the end, it was a super hard parkour because of all the corners, all the small climbs and kickers. So I think, um, I think it can be, I think it can, it can, it can suit like some punchers. Yeah, I'm gonna have to dive into that. Um, obviously, that's that's gonna the Olympics is always 
going to be hard regardless what circuits it, circuits it's on. But if you throw in a little bit of trickery there as well. Um, well, I have a question. You mentioned you currently organize a race. Is this something that you want to continue in the future? Maybe expand it? Make it bigger? Maybe turn it into a UCI Women's World Tour race? I organize a race, yes, uh, for juniors. <laughs> and... Uh, not even in my wildest dream uh, so far, I thought to uh, to make it uh, for like a world tour uh, elite women. But for sure, I I would love to to expand it a little bit and to I don't know maybe my idea is to to do a two days or three days stage race, uh, but it is it is hard. Uh, it, it is a bit, little bit complicated, and uh, we want to start like really easy. Uh, we have this format: is um, a, a road race in the morning, and then based on the classment, uh, there is a, a time trial, like uphill time trial, uh, in in the afternoon. And so far, it's working. Uh, next year is going to be the tenth of uh, of August. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm not gonna be home, probably. But uh, yeah, it was the first edition last year, and uh, it went well. So we were like, okay, maybe we can uh, we can do it another another year, and maybe we in the future we can try to expand it and make it a little bit bigger. But uh surely not a, a women's world tour uh, race <laughs> maybe in 20 years but i don't know gotta start somewhere yeah um let's say in your wildest dreams where do you see yourself in 10 years time being a spot director of the women's Giro italia or living at home happy go swimming the lago maggiore because that's close to your house right yes so where do you see yourself in 10 years from now I don't know, actually, uh, so far I'm uh, really enjoying being a cyclist, um, in, I, and I had, I had this idea talking to Lizzie Dynan because she's, uh, training a young girl and I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I should try to share my knowledge and, um, start studying again, uh, and then becoming, becoming a, a trainer. Uh, because there are so few women's trainers that are training women. So maybe it could be an idea. But uh, at the moment, um, I'm really enjoying being a cyclist. So I don't know. But Well, we enjoy watching you as a cyclist, and we've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today on Bobby and Jens. Thank you so much for coming on the show and best of luck in the 2024 season, Alisa. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to, to talk to you. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Huge thanks to Alisa for being our guest. Thanks a million for listening and please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. The show is a Velo production in association with Shock Giraffe. This episode was produced and edited by Mark Payne. Please remember to check out the video version of this podcast by heading to the Outside Watch YouTube channel. 
Get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook. Just head to at Bobby and Jens and give us a follow. Elisa has owned the Italian national jersey so much so that you can barely imagine her wearing anything else. Is there anyone else you only think of in a jersey that's not even their kit?